Welcome to Film Logic, a movie podcast looking at the past, present, and future of movies and every fandom in between. We are part of the Retrologic Network, which includes On Topic, Retrologic, and Retrogroove. But we are not just a network of podcasts and nerds, but we're also a swell group of geeks on Discord. So check our links to find out who we are on Discord. We are great bunch of guys and we have lots of fun i am with adam hello the man who invented counter earth what (laughs) what (laughs) why are you making me the bad guy what the heck and i am with special guest chris hello like hi chris he will never call you a bad dog (laughs) (laughs) no you have to do something pretty bad to do that yes exactly and I mean, this is probably a, a, a pretty good time to put it out there that you know we're we are going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. So if you haven't seen it yet, warning, spoilers. Pause it, go watch it, and come back. Uh, but this is not going to be a spoiler-free pod. Yeah, I think we should just wait right now. Yeah. Right. All right. Come on, folks, watch it. Yeah, go watch it now. <laughs> Hit pause. Okay, you've seen it now. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get to it. <laughs> uh, All right. Chris, I have one question, and it has to do with your name. Uh, mm. But do you have a favorite game from 1994? I mean, uh, if you ask members of the Retrologic Discord and uh, the Nintendo Dad Discord, they might call it an unhealthy obsession. Uh, yes, I am a fan of the video game NHL 94. I still think it's the best video game of all time. Uh, hot take, I know. Uh, <laughs> but that's that's where the name comes from. And uh, my my uh, constant campaign, my, my everlasting campaign to get the new game NHL 94 Rewind on Nintendo Switch. So I'm I'm so curious as to what makes it better than every other NHL game ever made. Good question. Well, it it really hits the sweet spot of uh, nostalgia and simplicity. Let's say that I think as a forty something, I'm probably speaking to more of the older gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really easy to pick up and play, uh, and it really obviously I grew up with it, so there's that factor as well. I'm lucky I was rose colored glasses in a way, but uh, objectively, you can look up ratings of the NHL series. It is in the top three. I don't think it's rated number one. Uh, that's, I think, goes to NHL 12 or something like that. So, as a game, because of where the technology was, it kind of, it, it, for some people, and there's a community online who will agree with me, it hits the pinnacle of hockey games. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe they have, there isn't much more to improve on after that. Yes. Well, that's amazing that it's aged so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I'm looking online, and it's, I mean, it, it's performing pretty decently. I'm looking, it's 59th in IGN's top 100 SNES games of all time. Uh, let's see, it's named 100 best all time in 1997. 
by Electronic Gaming Monthly. Uh, Bleacher Report listed as the second best hockey game ever made behind NHL 10. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, for me personally, nothing will beat NHL hits, but I can get behind it. I mean, if you want a movie tie in, it's uh referenced very heavily in the movie Swingers, and of course, okay. Swingers being one a really great movie. I mean, what else do you do? in <laughs> Swingers? Vince Vaughn made Wayne Gretzky's head bleed. Come on. <laughs> right there. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, like I mean... We brought it back to movies. Yeah, right? And, you know, I, who else directed <laughs> that other than John Favreau, who is exactly. very... Who is very involved in the MCU. Exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> it's I mean, full circle. I, I knew there was a reason I was on the show today. <laughs> Full circle. Amazing. Amazing. Speaking of something that's not so amazing, uh, Aston mm. isn't here. Poor guy. I know. His kids are sick. He's and, sick. Yeah, he's sick. So he's being quote, the dutiful father for uh, looking after his children and then, unfortunately, getting sick as a result. Yes. Yeah. It's a rite of passage. Red passage. Um, and to quote the villain from this movie, there is no Aston. That's why I stepped in. <laughs> uh, yes. Incredible. All right. So before we get into the review hmm. of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, um, Adam and I like to do this thing where we like to imagine our own movies, recast, uh, rethink. And since it's Marvel Month, we're going to think of a movie in the Marvel Universe. Uh, we're going to come up with our own movies with the, in the Marvel Universe and kind of come up with our own direction of our own MCU. So I know I took it times 600. So I don't know if I'm going to share everything, but I, I at least want to tell you that I geeked out on this horribly. <laughs> Uh, would anyone like to go first so as to not embarrass themselves when I go? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a high bar to, to, yeah. to hit, I think. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. I mean, I'd, I'd love to go, I'd love to go first if that's, if, if that's fine. That's great. Yeah. Um, you know, I, mine is a little bit more, more of a reimagining of Black Panther, uh, and less so than like a, a fan casting like yours is, Mike. Mike, <laughs> Mike, Mike's is Mike's is truly. I can't put it into words. Um, but it's I kind of well, go ahead. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's certainly something. And you know when when we posed the the question about rethinking a Marvel movie, three of them came right to mind. Um, I wasn't super thrilled with Eternals. Um, I wasn't personally super thrilled with Endgame. I think Endgame hinges a lot on a rat and time travel, and I don't. I'm not the biggest fan of time travel as a storytelling device. I think once you kind of introduce, you know, time travel into a story, it kind of it's a moot point now. Anything and everything. 
is not you know is it permanent but i was like eh no i'll, I'll go with um i'll go with a a reimagining of of black panther and um my three biggest problems with black panther is is one um i think that the the mcu as a universe is the same regardless if the original movie happens or not like nothing fundamentally changes the mcu because of black panther like the end of civil war could go right into uh avengers uh or sorry civil war could go right into infinity war without you know uh black panther as a movie existing and nothing would really fundamentally change so that's my first problem second one is uh i think that killmonger is has a point <laughs> and t'challa doesn't really he doesn't really present anything from a moral standpoint that you know is strong enough to go head to head with you know eric's eric killmonger's position um and basically to me it kind of boils down to like they just <laughs> it's a fight <laughs> and because you know one side wins over the other <laughs> they're right and it, it i don't know it it doesn't really sway me one way or another and three i think that they really waste um their villains in this one between claw and uh killmonger and um i know that there's no way for them to be able to predict you know what happened with chadwick and um you know the sadly the the, the fact that he you know lost his life um you know in subsequent years but uh they, I'm sure that they wish they kept Killmonger around because they certainly brought him back in uh, the new Black Panther. Uh, not physically, but um, yeah, I'm sure that they wish that he was still there. So in my reimagining of the story, um, Killmonger is still physically there and I think has a little bit more of an impact on the story. So uh, quickly, just some story beats. Um, that I would change is that I would, uh, following T'Chaka's death in uh, Civil War, um, uh, I would uh, that the, the other tribes in Wakanda, some of the tribes are more discontent with um, the isolationist uh, opinions of, uh, you know, T'Challa and um, the powers that be, and um, some of them are more motivated to want to break out of that um and then uh another story beat moving on and a lot of the movie i would keep some mostly the same i'm just going to share some story beats that i would add or take away um that killmonger doesn't kill claw uh before he comes back to wakanda um but instead he kind of entices claw um to do a heist to get vibranium after he failed to do so earlier in 1992. Um, so then he uses Claw to kind of get into Wakanda, but then eventually he double crosses, Killmonger double crosses him, puts him in jail, and then challenges T'Challa to, to combat. Um, and then uh, while they're fighting, Killmonger uh, convinces the other tribal leaders that were kind of discontent um, that, you know, he has a point and um, ultimately... Killmonger loses um, combat to T'Challa, um, but instead of T'Challa having like a total victory, half the people and half the tribes start following Killmonger instead of T'Challa, and it starts like a civil war. 
And then Claw, while he's in jail, actually double-double-crossed Killmonger, and he escapes from the prison, and he steals some nanotech and escapes Wakanda. And then on the outside, Claw uses, uh, you know, this nanotech with some Stark slash Chitauri tech to create an army, a robot army, to help invade Wakanda and get more vibranium out to sell. But while that's all happening in Wakanda, the two factions... Uh, are in battle with Killmonger slowly winning and it tips more into his favor when eventually he gets his hands on the herbs forcing T'Challa to, to turn to M'Baku uh, for help to turn the tide. And just before the final battle, Claw in, invades and he starts you know, decimating both sides. And then um, both of them, both sides are forced to retreat and then they come to agreement to reunite all the tribes Um and to work together against Claw, and then um, as the two Panthers team up together, um, they push back and win, but they have a new peace treaty where they decide to now rule together equally with all the tribes, and instead of being isolationist, they begin to, to kind of reach out and help the world, and the movie ends, um, it ends because now that they're weakened, they have to um, you know, turn to outwardly to get some help, whether that's from shield or if that's from other people and then they finally decide uh that they need to help out the avengers that have just escaped the raft at the end of civil war so they come to wakanda to help them rebuild and they've now become a part of wakanda and it ends with that with them there and then that leads right into infinity war so that would be that would be my rewrite of black panther I know that wasn't as exciting as <laughs> what I'm sure is to come with your fan casting and stuff, but that's that's how I would that's how I would rewrite Black Panther, and I I just feel like it. I don't know. It it just feels, yeah. I feel like it just addressed um, some of those issues that I had at the beginning, where um, it, it like Black Panther feels like a standalone movie where it doesn't. I don't know. It just feels like kind of out of place in the timeline, and it kind of I feel like the the rewrite puts it back into the timeline and it makes sense, mm. and um, it keeps Killmonger alive, and uh, I think that they um, have you know some villains in uh, Claw and Killmonger um, that are that still exist and can be used again into the future, and I I think that. Um, Killmonger would start a almost like a redemption arc into the the this next into the new Black Panther movie where T'Challa would die and then Killmonger has to kind of step up and kind of bridge mm-hmm. that gap. But yeah, that's that's me. What do you guys? What do you guys? I'm, what do you guys feel? I mean, uh, to play devil's advocate, yeah, let's do it. It seems like you've written the movie the the ending to the Marvel movie that nobody likes because no one likes the faceless army. And that was the big criticism for a lot of the phase one and two movies was that, oh, well, where's that faceless army we have to defeat at the end? And that's, a, that's what Claw is doing here. He's creating a faceless mm-hmm. army to, for them to, you know, to, to, to slaughter. Um, for sure, for sure. I don't, mm-hmm. know, I don't know if I think Black Panther is a... I mean, I definitely agree that Killmonger has a point, and I think that's what makes him one of the most compelling villains of the MCU. Yeah, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, because obviously no one knew Chadwick Bosman had cancer, uh, that we, we have to replace him as the Black Panther. But, um, I mean, in, in my mind, Black Panther is 
my top four in mm. the MCU because of the way it was written. And uh, again, Killmonger being the most compelling villain with a a reasonable um, motivation. And I mean, their plot their plots are all kind of goofy in the end because they're comic book movies. <laughs> Yeah, and trying course. to get from part A to part B is never really a straight line that you think, well, there was probably an easier way to do that. Right, but, right. Um, the end, having Eric Killmonger die, was one of the most compelling and most meaningful endings because he's, he took a personal stand and said, no, I don't want to be a slave anymore. I would rather die. And yeah, I know you can save me, but I don't want you to. So, right, right. Mm. Ahead, do Mike. you agree that uh, him working under T'Challa would have been a slavery? I mean, I guess he thought it was slavery, but um, yeah. I mean, I I think that um, I don't I, I don't know the way that I view the character. I I don't know. I feel like he. Um, I think that he really believed that. I think the character, the way that it was written, I think he really believes that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I feel like that's just, I don't know. I feel like that's such a, a waste of a character, you know what I mean? Just like sacrificing himself on a platitude, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, Well, and mm-hmm. Killmonger falls into that similar trope mm-hmm. that all the, all the Marvel uh, heroes get in their origin story. They get a villain who's like their mirror. Like Iron Man gets Iron Monger, uh, Thor gets Loki, Captain America gets Red Skull. Uh, you know, they get the same. They get the, this mirror of themselves, and then yeah, we do tend to waste them. And uh, I think I think Shannon and I have had this discussion on many of the dealer table over at the Nintendo Dads is that you can't once you once you use the character up, you can't really bring them back. And it's it's going to lead into my reimagining because I was I have a different mm. film that I was definitely disappointed with, mm, for sure, for sure. And um, I and I would push back just a little bit on the uh, the the faceless army thing, and I I, I definitely agree. I think that that's um, I totally get that with the you know the Chari invasion. You know you get that in you know the Avengers, um, and then you know you get that also into Infinity War and Endgame, um, but I, um, I mean, I, I would at least in my in my imagining in my rewrite, I was I was trying to think of a way that you could find something that would unite, right? That you would unite uh, the worldviews of of Killmonger and Black Panther, and ultimately they both, while they have opposite viewpoints, um, they both still ultimately want what's best for Wakanda and um, like, what would like, what would be a threat big enough to unite them in order to, 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 you know, to fight together. Right. Like it's, yeah. It's, I mean, I I think Eric convinces um, the child that he was wrong. And I think at the end, he recognizes that they don't go enough into what that meant. Right, they don't right. tell you how they outreach to different places and why around the world, and then they kind of retcon it because now that they're all dead, uh, <laughs> Ramonda is closed up again now in Black Panther Two. Uh, spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen it, 
and now they're <laughs> now they're retreating back to their borders and now they're like no this vibranium is ours and we don't want to share with anyone so it did i i had more more issue with black panther 2 with now wakanda re retreating back into itself mm. even though we've already fought thanos with the rest of the world and we 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 do want to help you uh but now no now this is our toy and we we won't share it anymore yeah for for sure i, I definitely think that you know black panther 2 is in in a way almost a retelling of you know the first movie's plot and it's, it's i mean it's not exactly one-to-one -one, but yeah i agree they kind of retread um the same ground which is uh, a little disappointing but also at the same time hats off to the writers and the directors because you know they they really faced something oh, that so was a monumental task to write out Chadwick, yeah and you know for for the time that they that they the time frame that they had i think they did an admirable job but yeah no i i agree mm. you guys <laughs> killed it with that movie yeah okay i i so we're gonna kill it i want to i want to hear i want to hear some more i want to hear some more rewrites i'm excited right all right uh, well if we're gonna save uh yes, yes mics yes. for last so i will go next yes uh a movie that i'm very disappointed with and that um part of it that it does not uh live up to the source material mm. is the second avengers movie avengers age of ultron mm. I don't really have an issue with a lot of the cast. Obviously, the yeah. main Avengers team is okay. Paul Bettany becoming the Vision, I thought was great. really great. Uh, Wanda Maximoff and uh, Pietro Maximoff are okay. I really do actually prefer uh, the MCU Quicksilver to the Fox Quicksilver. I know that's a, a, a uh, that's a hot take for some people. The I problem agree, yeah. is that, and I colloquially call it the Weekend at Ultron's. <laughs> not Age of Ultron because an age of, an age is where Ultron needs to win this boot this film at the beginning. This needs to yeah. be a lot more like the What If episode, where mm. Ultron wins, enslaves humanity for a year or two, and our Avengers have to come back and fight and fight and defeat Ultron, a powerful Ultron that's conquered Earth, and so this puts the MCU back three or four years because Ultron, we give him an age of ruling earth and uh, we might even discover some new Avengers who come up through the underground because there was this, there's going to be a slow buildup of a resistance to the rule of Ultron. Uh, I, I, I still not sure if I kill an, an Avenger yet because uh, I do sort of want to keep them around, which makes it difficult, but, I might, instead of just throwing them on the Avengers team at the end, they they sort of uh, build up this underground movement, the original six Avengers, and then they recruit more. They recruit Falcon. They recruit uh, Pietro and Juan and Maximoff uh, after they've betrayed Ultron because he's taken over the world. This wasn't what they were signed up for originally in that uh, beginning scene where they meet him in the church and you get a real uh a real um imposing threatening ultron uh less and i understand he's got he does have the faceless army of robots but we get an actual uh chance for james spader to really flex his mu his voice acting muscle 
as the ruler of Earth. And we can even see him interacting with other planets now because he's conquered Earth now. He wants to move on and he wants more. And so while he's doing that and maybe reaching out to some of the other planets, we might even that way, uh, hey, Earth is being run by this horrible robot. We should probably get over there and see what, see what we can do to help. And so we get more of a an Infinity War level Avengers film. Instead of trying to set up a lot of things about the Infinity Stones that are coming, but that aren't there yet. And then even we don't really go there because Thor talks about finding the Infinity Stones. He tries for a couple of months and then gives up and now Ragnarok happens. So yeah, I think that was that's really where I would change it. And now you've put the so after we and and the MCU can kind of continue on similarly the way it did. Uh, I'm having a hard time coming up why you use Sokovia Accords though because these aren't just heroes blowing up one city in Sokovia. This is them saving the world from a despot. But uh, Mm. so that might be a bit hard to explain. But I want to remake Age of Ultron to not be weakened at Ultrons anymore. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. I mean, Age of Ultron, it it definitely feels like one of those movies that they used to bridge a gap and to like just say, hey, we got to release a movie. We got to kind of make it fit into this, you know, Infinity War Endgame that we're shooting for. Uh, but it can't be. It's got to be big, but it can't be too big. And you know, it it just kind of makes Ultron kind of feel like a second, like a second rate villain. Um, you know, yeah, totally, totally agree with the the weekend at the weekend at Ultron. Um, and it's a matter of days. It literally is a matter of days, and that's yeah. the most frustrating part. And like you said, Ultron is an Avengers level villain. He is a Thanos yeah. level villain that is defeated in a couple of days. That's not how that should have gone. Yeah, yeah and, and isn't his story mm-hmm. that like Ant Man created him? Yeah, and the problematic part about Ultron from the comics is like the Ant-Man that created him is uh, there's some domestic abuse in there and he's a booze hound. He's a booze hound. I don't mind the origin of Ultron going from, and I'd like the suit of armor around the world mentality or the, the uh, justification. Like Tony's afraid he's having already having PTSD from he's on PTSD from Avengers. He might be having premonitions for infinity war. And so there's there's that you can see why he does it, but the result is that Ultron's not he's not a big enough threat. Mm. Like this is the thing that he's in the internet and they just scrub him from the internet in in like a couple of seconds. Like no no come on, it's <laughs> right. why I'm holding a hope that there's a version of Ultron. There's a head or uh, some code somewhere where we can bring Ultron back. And maybe in a Young Avengers movie or something, and we can make him more threatening. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, I think the only thing that I would add into your retelling is I, I think that they, um, I think you just got to try to find a way to fit it into the overall narrative. And I think that Ultron taking over and kind of wrecking Earth is great motivation for the Avengers to try to find the Affinity Stones. And, um, yeah, I think that would be a great primary motivator. I know you kind of like talked about Thor kind of looking for it, but definitely at the end of um, at the end of 
Age of Ultron, the Avengers splitting up, um, that some of them go off into space to look for the rest of the Infinity Stones leading us into, you know... The, I mean, he, he kind of says it in the beginning of Ragnarok, uh, yeah, I tried to look for it, but then it kind of went nowhere. Right. And I'm like, it did it? Like, you know where two or three of the stones are already. Right. And you know, if you don't know anything about Xandar, you can just go over there. They got one too. Uh, <laughs> right. I think you got four, almost four of them. You know where they are. The only one that's really not sure about is the Soul Stone. And of right. course, they tell you order to bring that up. But right. uh, then he's like, oh, yeah, Ragnarok. Oh, I got distracted. Right. Um, yeah, I guess the, the thing is, if you have a real Age of Ultron, and to make it really imposing and really threatening, you have to kill a, a main Avenger. You can't kill Pietro Maximoff. Yeah, and so totally agree. Which one? Tony Not Stark. sure. Oh. <laughs> I mean, see, I I feel like that's like if you retold, I don't know, uh, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, where uh, Anakin doesn't turn the dark side. Right. And in the video I saw, like, well, this really ruined a better story that I thought would have happened. So you should you should keep Tony Stark alive. I don't really want to kill Cap, but I'm thinking you might kill Thor. Even though that stops Ragnarok and maybe stops his, his actual best movie. Um, because killing Hawkeye, I mean, I, I could have killed Hawkeye 20 times already in the MCU, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and it would have no impact on the story. And everyone like, oh, nuts. The guy who shoots arrows well is dead. Yeah, um, right. Does he really? No offense to Jeremy Renner and Hawkeye. I, does he really have that much impact on the universe? Uh, not really. So, yeah, I'm not sure even how opposing killing Hawkeye, because they kind of teased it in the end of Ultron, was that he was shot at, but Pietro Maximoff takes the bullet for him. And you're like, eh, sure. You could have killed either. You could have killed both. Probably wouldn't have been any different. Mm -hmm. You know, the interesting thing is, this is the time that, like, this was done by the venerable Joss Whedon, whose name we are um, obligated to spit when we say. <laughs> uh, but there was a time when he could do no wrong. With yeah, the, the only... Fly and the Serenity and the first um, Avengers movie, we were like, this, this guy is hot. And, like, you know, we didn't really know the Russo brothers as a household name. We were just saying, you know, this Joss Whedon guy is so amazing and when he made the second movie like it disintegrated his name like the yeah. only other thing he's ever been known for is doing the rough draft of justice league i mean he also did really mess up that movie after zack mm -hmm. snyder was removed uh i mean the problem with joss whedon though with uh age of ultron was this is definitely the, uh, the, uh, the, the studio telling them, you need to make a commercial for your, uh, several upcoming movies. You need to tease uh, a conflict between Iron Man and Captain America. You need to tease that the Infinity Stones are coming. You kind of need to tease Thor going off and, and ending, ending Asgard. They gave him too many, too many things to set up that it distracted them from the actual story they were telling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, thinking, thinking what you're, you guys are talking about. I mean, I, I could definitely see maybe Vision sacrificing himself 
maybe him dying and then getting you know reborn with the mind stone i don't know just bit bomb but yeah i definitely agree you gotta you gotta kill a you gotta kill an avenger um yeah, it's it's right. just a, it's it's the same thing because they re they introduce Pietro in the film and then kill him at the end and you're like, yeah, I mean I know him for two hours, right? Okay, right. Mm-hmm. It's right. not and, really and, the impact's not there, right? And yeah. that's how I felt about Eternals with all those characters. I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they almost needed to do an Avengers style universe to set up all those characters. Yeah, Eternals before okay. they made that movie, but it's mm. tough. It's tough. I'm. I think Eternals works better as a TV show, and if if I had rewritten Eternals, I would have rewritten it as a TV show, as as opposed to like a you know just a, a two hour movie. There's just so much there. Yep. Oh yeah, well that was that was a good well, rewrite. I'm liking that one. Um, I mean, we've killed, we've killed, we've 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 teased it long enough. I think we need to hear Mike. Yeah, I gotta hear Mike. Oh I'm chomping at the bit, guys. <laughs> okay, so. Um, I think it's a travesty that not many people know the story that I'm about to mention. But around 1997, a genius artist named Alex Ross was in charge of writing DC's Kingdom Come, which people kind of know by heart. It's iconic. It's part of the DC universe. Um, it could be a movie. It's it's a deep, deep story. But it's it's about DC characters in the future and what happens when there's too many heroes who, you know, with no responsibility, all power, no responsibility. Um, he wrote this story. But then he also wrote a story for Marvel, wrote and drew, and his art style is super realistic. I love it. He wrote and drew uh, an Earth X story for Marvel. Which also asks the question, what happens when everyone's a superhero with superpowers? Um, and it's also set in the future. So a lot of people have heard of Kingdom Come, but they've not heard of Earth X. And I think it's they, you know, Marvel kind of stepped over it because it's it's a world that they can never really use. They had fun with it when they had fun with it, but then they kind of moved on. So uh, I didn't really look at any of the Marvel movies that came out because I'm like, you know, that's I don't I don't want to I don't want to make a small impact. I want to make a crater impact. But I also realized that this will never come into being. It totally messes with the whole entire universe. It could be maybe like a cartoon one off film. But it, it'll never fit into the MCU. Kevin Feige would spit on it. Um, <laughs> but it does honor a great story that if you ever have like Marvel Unlimited on your phones, look up Earth X. So basically what happens now that I've given you the segue into this, um, it takes a look at the character Black Bolt. Uh, Black Bolt was, he made this bomb that... Is filled with Terrigen mist. It explodes over the Earth. It gives everybody superpowers. Like every single human being in the world has some kind of superpower. So the world kind of goes into madness. Everybody's fighting each other. Everyone's killing each other. The Avengers have no... Like they they get so overwhelmed that they want to quit. Like basically they quit. So... And then one day, the Watcher, you, 
and can never pronounce his name. Utah, you Utah, Utu, Uatu, Uatu, Uatu. He hires a guy named Machine Man to kind of, uh, you know, because Uatu gets blinded in one of these events by Black Bolt. So he he kind of hires Machine Man to uh, tell him and be a witness to these events. And the book kind of goes into depth with like all these new character arcs. Um, but the movie is going to be kind of more simple. Um, I'm, I'm thinking Machine Man is going to be like the young face that you want to follow. Um, but it's going to be about Uatu wanting to get an Avengers team together because not, not because he wants to stop Black Bolt. He wants to get revenge. He wants to avenge the Earth for the awful crime that he did. So and Black Bolt is going to be like the misunderstood um, guy who, like, he he had the best intentions for this, and the things just kind of went haywire, and it kind of just made him crazy and bitter and angry, and maybe a little guilty. Um, so the whole fun thing about this is that, like, you can mess with any character. So, you know, Captain America is, like, in this future, he's, like, 60 or 70 or 80 years old. You know, he's an old man. He's, um, you have, like, cults upon cults, like a Spider-Man cult, um, where people just kind of have, like, these, these sects that uh, kind of are based on the old superheroes. And for um, in the comic book series, like Craven the Hunter is actually like a big thorn in everyone's side. He actually decided that he wanted to kill as many superheroes as he could and like put, put their heads on the wall. So that's like his main goal. So in this movie, I was, I was going to have Medusa, Black Bolt, um tony stark is going to be just like this ai voice like um siri um the thing is going to have his own family um sue storm replaces iron man and becomes iron maiden she actually gets like the powers to manipulate metal and then uh the red skull is he has like a, a predecessor just named the skull and he's like a evil bad guy so it's going to be about the Avengers kind of coming together, saying, you know, how can we're so overwhelmed with this evil world that's run amok? Like, where do we even start? Where's our hope? And, you know, Justin Timberlake, or I, I say Justin Timberlake because that's the guy I choose to be Machine Man. Um, he's the only guy I can think of who hasn't been in a superhero movie. He's the one who kind of, he doesn't want to take an observer role. He wants to get in and try to renew everyone's hope in the plan. So um, it's about him, you know, quelling the forces of the Avengers, um, making them have a comeback, and to finally face off against Black Bolt and come to terms with his crimes. Um, I came up with a bunch of actors and actresses 
I can just go down the list if you guys care. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, keep in mind, this is an alternate universe, so there's going to be a few reruns and rethinks. Uh, you know, Justin Timberlake would make a good machine man. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Willis as an old Captain America sounds really cool to me. Brian Cranston as Uatu. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I like, I like Brian Cranston and everything. Yes. Um, I thought a WWE wrestler named Seth Rollins. Um, he, he's a crazy WWE guy, but he would be the leader of a Spider-Man cult. So he's like this crazy guy with an obsession for Spider-Man, and he runs a cult. Um, Beautiful. David Harbour as Craven the Hunter, because he did so well as, uh, you know, the Russian Captain America. Um, yes. Mary Bobby Brown as Mary Jane Watson, who in this series has teleportation powers. Mm. Um, Zendaya Ooh. as Medusa, married <laughs> to Black Bolt, who was played by Rami Malek. Nice. Uh, I like it. Robert Downey Jr. as himself, you know, that's he brings the money, but he plays like this robotic AI. Mm. Uh, Jason Momoa as the thing. You know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe he's too <laughs> tall for the role, but he does play a good... I mean, your your thing is probably going to be mostly CG, so that still works. Yeah. Works. Yeah. Finn, yeah, Finn Wolfhard and Jenna Ortega as the thing's children, because they play a big role in the series. Right. Um, Kiki Palmer. Um, I had to look up who this was, but I wanted a <laughs> fresh face. Um, she's in the movie Nope. Yeah. She would make a great Sue Storm. And then Jamie Campbell. I can't remember where I got him from, but he plays he would play a great bad guy as the skull. I think he, I think he was in I don't remember if he was the uh if he was the thing in the fan fantastic, wasn't he? Maybe. Or yeah. that somewhere else? I think oh uh, maybe. Maybe he was I don't know. I mean, I think I think a lot of people want Robert Downey Jr. back as an AI. So I think you're 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 playing to the to the to the <laughs> masses for that one. People would like that casting. I'm kind of not. I'm kind of surprised Justin Timberlake isn't in a superhero film already. Right? It's, it's overdue. You know, after Shrek three and his sci-fi movie Just in Time. Yeah, I'm kind of. I think I thought he would be. He's a. He's a pretty pretty looking dude. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, this story. I wouldn't hold. I wouldn't hold out hope. But I don't think you can completely in in a in an MCU with a multiverse and an animated what if that mm-hmm. you couldn't make this somehow. Right. Right. They might question me on Zendaya. They're like, dude, we already have one of those, and David Harbour <laughs> too. I mean. If you think about it, uh, there are a few people that have played two people in the MCU, and they've actually written them into the story that way. Like uh, a couple of the Howling Commandos from yeah, uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. One of them is the is the principal now in Midtown High, and mm-hmm. they wrote it now as his descendant. Oh. Uh, similarly, there's the char- one of the characters that I just, I've been. I just started my Infinity Saga rewatch. So I've watched the first Iron Man and the first and the Incredible Hulk. And there's a there's a lab tech in the Incredible Hulk 
who now plays a teacher at Midtown High in the Spider-Man mm-hmm. movies. So they tend to bring people back, and then they, when people notice this, they will write in in story why they're there. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Linda C- Cardellini is technically in it twice, too. Like, she's yeah. Hawkeye's wife and Lila or Layla. Yes. Lila. And uh, the the walrus was someone else. Oh, yeah. Was, uh, I think, Ant-Man's ex-wife. Yeah. In the original Ant-Man. Yep, yep. So, and, not, I mean, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not against using, reusing talent. Right, and they're also not above just recasting people, <laughs> like oh yeah, what they like they did with uh, what's her face in Ant Man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, speaking of recasting, I think Edward Norton has a lot to say about not being Hulk anymore. Uh, but I think uh... after watching that film, I realized how much more I appreciate Mark Ruffalo as Hulk. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a softness to Ruffalo that Norton just. No, or or how much I prove, how much I really appreciate Don Cheadle as uh, War Machine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Don Don Cheadle. uh, Yeah, yeah, Warmonger or Warmonger. Sorry, (laughs) War Machine and uh, Winter Soldier definitely are to me are one of the most underutilized characters in the MCU. There's such a depth to them and yeah, it's such a shame that they don't get the the recognition I think that they deserve beyond just being second fiddles to their you know, to Iron Man and Captain America respectively. Right. Well, and I think uh, going forward at least I, uh, uh, War Machine, because the Armor Wars series is now a film mm-hmm. uh, he'll get his chance. Uh, Bucky, I can't say for sure will. It's such a shame. Well, he did have his he did have his chance in uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier series. It was more of a buddy cop. I think you'll you'll see a bit more of him. We'll wonder. I'm we'll have to find out why he's a member of the Thunderbolts when that right? releases next year. Mm-hmm. But I think because now Rhodey gets to step out of the um uh, the lot the spotlight of Iron Man. And and be the center of that, and maybe the legacy will be he'll be cleaning up Iron Man's sort of mess, getting his mm. tech back from the bad people, uh, mm. where where Sam got to take over from Captain America, uh, he keeps he gets the shield. Uh, Bucky still sort of plays second fiddle now to a to a new Cap instead. Yeah. Well. That was that was great, fellas. I I really enjoyed everyone's. I think ideas. Marvel should get Mike on the phone, and they need <laughs> to make this tomorrow, right? How right. Many, how many times, Adam, have we said Kevin Feige? You know how to find me. I mean, <laughs> we we say that in almost every episode, right? Yeah, and you know, honestly, I I can see I can see why there might be a reservation to to stick this into a mainline MCU situation. But you know, I I wish that they you know took the route that DC has taken with their their animated movies and stuff like that. And you know, there there are so many stories that you know kind of get left behind. And uh, this is this is one I wasn't super familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I want to see this now, and I could see this being an awesome animated feature film. Yeah, I I, I mean, I think it yeah. would be like a a Miles Morales type into the Spider Verse. 
I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of telling you all the things that DC did wrong because that we could be here for, for days. But <laughs> the, one thing, the one thing they might do right is this idea that they can have a separate universe of this is an Elseworld story. It right. doesn't have to connect to the main story. And right. that it's kind of a, a cake and eat it two scenario where you can have something else that's a Joker that's not because people like this Joker. We can keep that. But it doesn't have to affect our main Joker and our main universe. Uh, yeah, Marvel could do more with it, and they've done. They should because they've just said, "Hey, there's a multiverse," and we're talking about multiverses. Uh, it's just I think people would be tired. It'd be a lot of content, and that's the thing is they have so many stories in universe that to make more out of it would probably uh, mm-hmm. maybe just contribute to the fatigue. And uh, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, for sure. but- Mm-hmm. Who knows when they reboot everything in uh, fifty years, <laughs> they'll make they'll make Earth X, Mike, and and we'll give you writing credit for it. Yes, Amen. And you know if if I can at least get someone to just look at the Earth X series because it is it is beautifully drawn and written. And I have to look it up now, and I have to see where I can get a copy of this. Yeah. I mean, it does recast the Hulk. The Hulk becomes a gorilla with um, Banner. Like, he was able to split his mind into a human and to split the other side of the Hulk into a gorilla. So that you have that to look forward to. Oh, wow. Maybe that's how they bring Norton back. Norton. <laughs> <laughs> Norton's the humor or the gorilla? Uh, maybe gorilla. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, let him let him let him make out the nuance of the character through grunts. Exactly. Because I'm not really sure I appreciate him speaking as much. No, oh, that's great. So okay. mm-hmm. at the top of the hour, we yes. have our what you all came here for. Yes. This this is another man's uh, geeky dream, but he actually got it as a reality. <laughs> We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 by James Gunn. Spoilers. Spoilers everywhere, folks. Um, So I don't I don't even know where to start. Mm. I have a list of ideas I want to share, but I think I should just start with what what is your guys' initial reaction to this movie? Mm. Um I mean, uh, you know, taking a stab at it, I mean, I I really do feel like this is kind of James Gunn's ultimate farewell letter um, to a series. I think he's given so much of his, you know, his his life to, and it definitely felt like the culmination for his characters and his storytelling, and I think the MCU will sorely miss him. Uh, and, yeah, it was... Yeah, I I said it, you know, I said it a couple times, but I really think everything that Marvel kind of strives to try to do, I think this movie has in spades. I think there's just an overwhelming amount of humanity and friendship and, you know, a good bit of comedy and just the human will overcoming. And um, yeah, I I think it's, yeah, it's a a good culmination of of James Gunn's vision. Uh Mm-hmm. 
my my initial reaction was when I got home. I I told I think I wrote on on the Discord. This is the most James Gunn anyone has ever James Gunned in a film before. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And it, it's it, it's to its benefit, and it points. I think I had a little nitpick to its detriment because it's just really, <laughs> really in your face. How much yeah. James Gunn is all over this. Hundred uh, percent. And the thing about it is that because it's a kind of a uh, 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 an ending of a of a mm. three film arc for the Guardians. They let it be a Guardian story, and they tried their best not to make it another episode of the MCU film series. Uh, which, so for some people, for if you're going to this movie thinking like, where does this push the uh, the multiverse saga forward? It doesn't really. Um, it gives us a new Guardians team at the end. Uh, which will be interesting because again, we're not getting a James Gunn Guardians anymore. Can somebody else step in to make a Guardians four? Because there's definitely a very powerful team that's left as mm-hmm. a result. Uh, I like a lot of people were shocked we didn't lose any of the characters. Um, I don't know if I really that bothers me at all though. I don't. I whether you whether no. the it does seem kind of abrupt at the end where they just decide. Well, I'm going to walk away. From being from guardianing, I don't know if that's a really good verb to use. Um, but uh, yeah, in and it uh, it works and it's emotional and it's impactful and you get the development of the characters very clearly laid out and it's it's a well done film. It, it for me the the for me the MCU though at this point is a long running TV series and I. It bugs me a bit when the, when I hear people say like, "Well, I can't just jump in." I'm like, yeah, if you're not jumped in by now, you're kind of behind the boat. You do really need to do your homework because mm-hmm. part of the appeal is that this is a a connected internet interconnected universe of stories. Um, I guess for Guardians, though, you don't need that. You you need to have seen the Guardians films to know where who they are, and that's it. Yeah. Well, I will say this: mm. the movie starts. You have Cosmo the dog. And you have Craglin, and I'm like, oh crap! I'm supposed to know who these guys are, and I, I was like, oh no! Should I have watched the Christmas show? Ugh. Yeah, so I mean, Craglin is from the Craglin's mm. been through the, the series. Yeah, Craglin is a is a Ravager, and then I think Craglin is a quasi guardian at the end of the second film because he is sort of the spiritual. Uh, Take over, uh, sorry, the legacy of um, Yandu. Yandu, and he takes the spear. He takes the fin, and so that's where he is. I don't know how officially guardian he was, and I don't know what your how you stamp your guardian card to become a member. But he's <laughs> been through. He's been in all the films, and he's been kind of there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cosmo was really more of a uh, throw in from the last film as well. And he does show up in the in the Christmas special, but um, yeah, well, he's it's hard. A part really of... hard to... Oh, sorry. It's really hard a character to develop for a dog. I don't know really know what to sell other than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, I mean, Cosmo was semi introduced as kind of like a throwaway character, as he's in the collector's collection. Yeah. In in nowhere, so then he kind of becomes a part of the Guardians after they purchase nowhere at some undetermined point before the Christmas special. And then Cosmo plays more of a 
a bigger role in the, the Christmas mm-hmm. special. So I can understand why you might feel a little confused, but I feel like they they do a good job of like introducing the two of them if you don't really remember and like like mm-hmm. a a retelling of like who their pow- what their powers are, what their what their responsibilities are as you kind of walk through. Yeah. And I, I, mm-hmm. yeah. I yeah, a... I mean, refusing to say you're a, you're not a bad dog is a cute is a cute device, and you go <laughs> back to it a few times. But it's funny every time. It's very James Gunn, for sure. Yeah. Um, like I I had to piece it together because you know the sequel Volume Two is six years removed from the movie, and there was no way I was gonna you know review it so. There yeah. were some things I had to be like, wait, they, they control that skull ship now? Oh, I didn't know that. Um, like, I thought Craglin was uh, Yondu's son. <laughs> Which, you know, it didn't yeah. ruin the movie. It just was like, okay, all right. I'm supposed to know who these people are. Yeah. Oh, but purchasing a Nowhere or having Nowhere be the Guardian's home uh, base is a Christmas special reveal as well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So the, again, that's another one where, uh, and again, and, and I, I know I hear I hear the Christmas all the time, but I think people started to talk about it's at Infinity War, where uh, you walk if you walked into Infinity War and you hadn't seen any Marvel films, they expect you to know who who Doctor Strange was, they expect you to know who the characters were, who hadn't met who before, and they kind of were at the point where it's where this is where we are now. We've right. we've 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 done the work to develop a universe. We're kind of proud of that part. Uh, so you kind of have to read up or find out who the people are if you're going to not be confused in any of the newer films. Yeah, yeah and, and and I agree. I, I think there's I think there's a difference between how James Gunn presented um, his stuff and how other movies like, um, you know, Multiverse of Madness, where the the stuff for James Gunn was important but it wasn't like story defining whereas with multiverse of madness it was like oh this movie is completely based on this tv series and well and definitely... see this is this mm-hmm. is the thing i heard i heard your last episode and i and i had a bone mm-hmm. to pick with that a bit because mm-hmm. it seemed like they kind of said like for me especially i've i've watched most or all the shows mm-hmm. i again I, i'm treating this like a, a long-range series where i want right. to know and so when i signed multiverse of madness He's Doctor Strange meets with Wanda and said, and she says, Oh, you know, I know I made some mistakes. And he right away says, I'm not here to talk about Westview. And I know what that meant, but it's like, oh man, but I really want him to talk about Westview. I want to know right. what, I want to know what you think about this. But you're just like, no, it's not important that you watch that. Good for you for doing it, but we're gonna skip that and pretend because other people have it, and we're gonna move on with this story that we're trying to tell. And so for a fan who keeps up with it, you're a little frustrated because you're like, can we have a little Easter egg there? Like, yeah, well, I guess Westview was it, right? That was all. You said Westview. That meant the show I, I watched mattered a little bit, but it didn't really because you just dismissed it, and that was all. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so yeah, I don't think, I think with Multiverse of Madness, yeah, mm. if, you would have recognized that one word, and then that was it. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, and I think more my criticism comes in the characterization of of Wanda and um, 
yeah, I, I think her uh, her character arc in um, in her show and then into the movie uh, just feels I don't know. It it just feels abrupt. Abrupt. Well, that's the yeah, thing. yeah. That's the thing. The the people who watched the show saw her go through this evil, not evil, but she was a horrible person enslaved to town. And then we thought, well, she's realized that this was bad. What she did was wrong and is now like, I'm putting myself in isolation because of the horrible things I did. And I'm going to try to get over it. Uh, but then the movie starts and, oh, hold on. She, off screen, she read this book that made her re-evil again. <laughs> and so now yeah, we have right. to bring her and so the people watching so are like, hold on, I thought we developed this character part where we got over that our kids are not real and she's not evil and we and she's grown as a person and realized her mistakes and uh and and you know has learned from them. And but no, oh but off screen she read the evil book and now she's right. evil, re evil. And so <laughs> it was that I think for like for people watching the show, that was the frustrating thing. We were like, no, we already we got over this part already. Yeah, right. Well, you know, if you do squint a little, it you can kind of feel like maybe this happened first, and then she enslaved the town. <laughs> if that helps. So I don't know. I mean, um, the 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 it's the it's the it's the it's the struggle with the interconnected universe because you don't want to tell everyone. Hey, so uh, July, whatever. Miss Marvel is going to release, or the Marvels is going to release, and we are going to tell you to watch uh, Captain Marvel, Infinity War, Endgame, uh, WandaVision, uh, this, because uh, otherwise you won't understand it. So instead of watching six hours or eight hours of content, people like forget it. I'm not watching that movie. If I'm not going to understand it, I don't want to do the homework. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to, you have to draw people in the theater to say like this is. You do have to sort of convince people that some of these are standalone stories that are going to be good on their own and not part of the thing because um, you can't watch Breaking Bad starting <laughs> in season five. You know, it right. just doesn't work. Yeah. You don't understand where everyone is. You don't understand anyone's motivations. You don't understand the development that's happening. It's hard to do that. And so there's, there's the thing. It's still money. It's still about driving people to the box office and getting people in theaters. Uh, but just so you know what's happening, watch 12 other films first. Yeah. And maybe yeah. that's why I like to enter the Spider-Verse, because I'm like, ah, <laughs> blank canvas, finally. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I think that's totally fair. And I, I think the among the casualties of the way that I think Marvel has been doing business is you, you, you lose some stuff along the way, like uh, the stuff with, like, Vision and... Um, you know, all that stuff in WandaVision was honestly some of the most, you know, thought-provoking, like, introspective, like, you know, TV that I've seen in a while. And then they just don't address it. And yeah. it's sad. And, you know, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll bring it, you know, they'll bring a spotlight to it later on. But, you know, it, it, it's a shame. I mean, the struggle is that there is a degree of flexibility and creativity that each director can bring to a project. Right. But mm -hmm. then there still is an overall overarching narrative that they have to follow. And there is a bit of a blueprint. So anytime they get to go color outside the lines, 
And then the next director or whoever in that intercritic story decides, well, that doesn't really have anything to do with what I want to tell. Then you have these threads that do go untold. And sometimes there's something that you really wanted to see continue, but doesn't. And I I think that's one of the things that um, I think draws a lot of people's interest into the guardians of the galaxies. Because I think the, over the three movies and I, including the, the Christmas special, it's still pretty, a pretty contained universe within Mm -hmm. the larger universe. So I do think guardians is a little bit more um, accessible to people. Um, And I I think that they do do a good job in, in, in guardians three, you know, James Gunn is, his fingerprints are all over it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very, you're very clearly like, Oh, these are the bad guys. These are the good guys. The good guys say funny things. The bad guys say bad things. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, the, there's going to be hijinks along the way. But, um, yeah, I think Guardians 3 is a kind of a good a good middle ground. And I, I really do think that James Gunn is one of the, the best directors right now that are um, adapting these, these comic books. And because mm-hmm. he, he does a really good job of, um, you know, taking the spirit of these characters, but still telling his own story um, on the screen with these characters. He's definitely more inspired by these these characters and he and he gets the character motivations, I think, pretty well. I, what do you guys think? James, what I like about James Gunn is you can tell he loves music videos. <laughs> um, he like he invented the idea that like mainstream music can go into superhero movies because literally before him everything was like uh, a rush of piano and violins, and then his stuff came out and you know it has all these eighties and um, he doubles down and like there are parts of Volume Three that are just like pure music videos like um when they're jumping off that ship in different color astronaut suits. I'm like, okay, when did I go to an OK Go video? <laughs> um, and, you know, that that idea has kind of run its course in the superhero world now. Uh, like, and Black Adam, when Black Adam starts, you hear the, the smashing pumpkins, you know, butterfly with bullet wings, you know, as they're crawling over the city and they're like, oh, you know. Trying to get the mainstream in on it. Thank you, James Gunn. I mean, there there are films that do better, and there's some that don't. There's some that don't. Mm-hmm. I think Agreed. the Captain Marvel movie kind of tried to hit you over the head with the '90s references and the uh, "I'm just a girl" and the you know it really didn't hit with me. Mm-hmm. Um, my my number one. Uh, the one thing I really I really appreciate about James Gunn films is the there's this there's an emotional arc to every story. Mm. And like, I, I cried, I cry in a lot of the, the guardian moments. I cried when Yondu died. Mm. I, uh, you know, those, those, those character moments that, uh, they're very relatable for a, a group of space aliens, humanoid and some not humanoid that then they really should deserve to be. Mm. Yeah. yeah. James James Gunn does a, a great job of humanizing things that aren't human, <laughs> right? And he he really gets across how much he cares about his characters, and um, yeah, not a 
there's not a character that that's that's wasted. Everyone everyone serves a a purpose. Everyone you know serves a story. Like I think directly in contrast with like Quantum Mania, right? Like how many how many of those characters, like the uh, the you know the Resistance characters that were just honestly just forgettable, throwaway, generic characters. But there are so many, you know, background characters in, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 that you're just like, oh, there's so much depth and they they, they serve a purpose. Like the mom on uh, uh, on Counter-Earth that helps them out and lends them her car. Like she's, you know, in the film for like, what, less than five minutes? But there's so much more of an emotional attachment to her than there is that giant Cyclops thing that just dies in Ant-Man. <laughs> like nobody cares. But I mean, about... mm-hmm. I was so disappointed because I, I'd heard rumor about William Jackson Harper, who I, I think he really came to fame in the uh, the TV show The Good Place mm. as uh, one of the dead characters uh, in the afterlife. And yeah. I heard rumor that he was supposed to be, or he could have been, an MCU version of uh, Mr. Fantastic. Oh, uh, And so that character was really disappointing what he ended up being and he might be more i don't know i really hope they do, do more with that but it's true uh the, there's and Ant-Man has its faults for sure the third one um the 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 the, the, the way james gunn puts the film together is that everyone sort of has a, a a meaningful purpose for being there and they and they add to the depth or they mm-hmm. will bring out a, a a redeeming quality in one of our characters that will show mm-hmm. development in how they've learned through the film. Mm. Yeah, now, which is a great segue into Nathan Fillion's role in the movie. <laughs> um, when I saw his name, I'm like, finally, he's going to break out into the comic book movie world. You know, we're gonna he's going to redeem what he lost in Serenity. And then, um, you know, you kind of see him. He's kind of a joke. You know, he's the head. He's the, he's the head of like the security at this this guy at like the evil plant. And he's got like a few jokes and a he's like a down to earth, relatable henchman kind of a guy. And then uh, you, uh, like, I, I am curious about his story. Like, I, I want to see him make a comeback. Um, but I mean, it's, it's like he, they spent the nickel on him. The the uh, unfortunate part was that uh, Nathan Fillion and James Gunn are are, are, are collaborators in quite a few films. Mm-hmm. In Guardians Two, he was rumored to be a very important character in the MCU, uh, Wonder Man. Yeah, that would have been and sick. That was cut. And so we kind of have Wonder Man. I think Wonder Man actually has been cast already in something else in a TV series coming up. So Mm -hmm. it will not be Nathan Fillion, unfortunately. We'll have to see how that turns out. But uh, when you, I think in the in the Vision Quest series that's coming up, that will be that that character will will be a big part of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, no, I I my my problem with uh, when directors cast names like Nathan Fillion or, you know, whoever in these like kind of minor roles. 
a lot of times they're doing it just for like a shock value or like an, an audience pop, it's, you know. It's a joke in itself. Right, right. But the way that Gunn uses him as as that, I think he, there's definitely a pop when he comes on screen. Like my my theater kind of got excited when he was there. Um, how could you not? It's Nathan Fillion. Um, but also at the same time, he didn't he didn't just leave it there, right? Like he you know, connected him with the story. They had a running joke with him. Mm-hmm. And one that, you know, was pretty funny. Um, yeah, so I, you know, he he wasn't just, oh, hey, that's a really funny cameo, like what they did with, um, in, uh, uh, in Multiverse of Madness with, uh, what's his face? Bruce Campbell. Uh, Bruce Campbell. Uh, they actually made him a part of the story, right? Instead of just a... Mm-hmm. Oh hey, that guy. Right. Yeah, I think the more egregious uh, stunt casting, if uh, people for people who watch the the Mandalorian Star Wars TV show, was there <laughs> a couple of off off, uh, not really more like fetch fetch questy kind of episodes, and on one of the plants they cast Jack Black and Lizzo as like magistrates and leaders, and you're like okay, but you could have put anybody in that role and it would have been the same. It really had no impact on the story or whatever. So Jack Black was really wasted and it seemed like a really just a, yeah, really a a cameo grab for no reason. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the hero's quest. Who was, you know, who was the hero in this movie? Was it uh, Peter Quill in his redemption to find love? Was it Rocket? even though he was in comatose for three-fourths of the movie. Um, dare I say, was it Drax trying to find <laughs> out that he was going to be a dad or like that he has dad skills? That's kind mm. of his payoff. Um, <laughs> um, a little sad that like Groot, you know, he, he lost his um, cuteness as a baby. And, you know, you have to watch the extra video, you know, like, Groot finds protein powder, which is a, a another side movie in the MC universe. Um, but you know he he's jacked, but he doesn't really have like a that much of a story to him. Mm. Um, I mean, it's in 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 honor of the upcoming Fast X movie. It's a family movie, I think. <laughs> I think uh, I think one of the family members has been injured, and we need to save our family. So right. I would say, as a, the Guardians as a team, and I, 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 the refreshing part about it is that the quest that they're going on, it's not to save the universe, it's not to rescue someone uh, from evil, whatever. It's to save our family member who's who might die. Right, and I did it's, find that refreshing. It is. It is a change of pace, and it's not. It's sort of a. Again, it's a character-driven story that James Gunn brings out that. The MCU has lacked for a little bit of time. Mm. Yeah, and I, I feel like the 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 the, ugh, the default story in superheroes is, oh, you have to sacrifice the few in order to save the many, right? You, you know, Peter Parker gives up, you know, his personal relationships to save, you know, New York. Um, but it was, yeah, it was great to see that kind of flipped, right? Like. It didn't, you know, the, the universe was put on hold for a second, right? And it was yep. just them trying to save Rocket. And um, 
Yeah, and I I kind of read the 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 movie as, and I think you could read the the other other guardians too, where it's not necessarily about, um, the growth of I think there's growth for each of the individual characters, but I, I kind of view them as one entity, right? They're all kind of growing together like they're all equally the protagonists right they're all equally you know they're you kind of you got to read them as one unit right one family and you know that's what this one that's what that that's what this one felt like and you know i i think i'm interested to see how they're going to use star lord into the future um i think it was interesting that they chose to say that star lords are going to be returning not rocket uh, right. Because it it definitely felt like this story was more about Rocket than it was about Star Lord. Um, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yeah, like Rocket so the more was, like Rocket was the motivation for every hero to be a hero in this movie. Yet mm. Rocket had the least amount of like action besides flashbacks. You know, and I wonder if like Chris Cooper was it Chris Cooper Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. If Bradley Cooper said, "You know, guys, I, I have a busy schedule. Can we? Can you not put me in that much?" Oh. Well, I mean, you... part of the part of the thing you go back to seeing Rocket's origin is you understand where well how he got to be the way he is, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the really interesting parts of the film is that you like you kind of understand him a little bit better, and mm-hmm. why he is the way he is. Uh, the characters all sort of get to uh again the, to beat the family metaphor to death um they get to know each other better and they and they appreciate each other more you see it with all the bickering through the film uh mm-hmm. the neat little easter egg that i think james guns uh could uh confirmed since the film has been out is uh near the end where groot says i love all of you right and and, and everyone it's like, wait a minute, he didn't just say, I am Groot. James Gunn's confirmed that. So now that we've seen three Guardians films, this is sort of how you, spending time with Groot over time, you eventually understand it and you understand his language. And that was the audience now understanding him and not just hearing, I am Groot. It's hearing what he actually is saying. Right. And so we have grown with the Guardians and now we're part of the family as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, my other suspicion is that the one of the reasons why we like this movie is because Marvel is better at goodbyes than they are at to be continued. When something's a to be continued, it gets tangled, it gets lost. The network has to take over and make sure that uh, the director is playing it safe. But this was a goodbye, sort of like how Endgame had a lot of goodbyes. And that when it when it comes to saying goodbye to a character, it's more powerful than just saying to be continued. Wait till you see the other stuff. <laughs> I mean, um, there's a there's yeah. a subtle to be continued in the in the post credit scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, because we have a new Guardians team, and I think they're still going to be around. Again, what I mentioned before is like who will write them and what will their story be. Um, that's interesting. I don't know if if anyone can tell a Guardian story like James Gunn, except for James Gunn. Yeah. But I think they'll be back, and I I I can't say that'll be a Guardians four. I can't not say that that won't be a Marvels or another um, galactic story that comes from that if, 
you know, that whatever comes up, if we introduce a new galactic character that meets the Guardians or is Guardians adjacent. Um, because there's still a lot of stories to tell from Adam Warlock. We have a new Guardian that I can't remember if she's named. I think she becomes Moon Dragon eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's quite powerful as well. So uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And speaking of Adam Warlock, mm. um, in the Thanos, he, he is in the comic books, he's attributed as the first person to destroy Thanos when Thanos did his very first uh, Infinity Stone takeover of the universe. And he has like a very messianic story where he dies for everybody or like he gives his life over. And in this, um, James Gunn kind of said, no, 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 no. We're making a country bumpkin. Like totally well, inbred hick. Yeah, I mean, they made they made him, they made it clear that he came out early from the cocoon. Uh, the Thanos connection, I think, uh, and I know that my, MC, my more comic uh, versed um, colleagues would uh, agree. I think that ship has sailed, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to see anything Infinity related, but I mean, he will learn, and he won't be as he won't be a, a bumbling a buffoon later on. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's basically he was just he was just born. I think that's the idea. Yeah, yeah. it's it's funny that they used used this um, like Adam Warlock. I know they had to eventually get to him, but there's you know there's other characters that we don't care about as much. Um, there's like a, another character that kind of has like this. He was kind of modeled after a satire of Superman called Kalark. And I thought that would have been a better choice than Adam Warlock. Um, he's kind of like this airhead like person with Superman powers that kind of just rushes at things brain first and says, sees what he can smash. So I just think it... Yeah, makes- I guess we'll see where it goes. This is... And this is where... Um- in hindsight, you can like again. People, people have have gone back and said, "Age of Ultron isn't that bad because X, Y, and Z led to this." That's where I get frustrated when I understand again that this is part of a wider universe. But if I have to see two or three more films later to understand the context of a previous film, then I I'm not crazy about that. Yeah. So, okay. so like to have to, I will. To, to fully appreciate where Adam Warlock started, you're going to have to see something two or three projects from now and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and reevaluate it in, with that new information. Again, not great, though, because right yeah. now you're like, he, again, for a very significant comic book character, that didn't seem like what I, what I envisioned. Yeah. Yeah, Adam. What did you think of Adam Warlock? <laughs> share names. Uh, we do share names. Um, I think he had one of the most beautiful cinematic shots that made me die of laughter and was simultaneously awed by its beauty when they recreated the creation of Adam uh, <laughs> <the> painting. <laughs> um, honestly, one of the greatest comic book shots of all time. Uh, MC, at least in the MCU, it was friggin' beautiful. Um, but 
Um, I, I, and you know, this is probably um, coming from a perspective of a a person that's more casually in the comics and has more of a an interest in the the MCU as a as a movie and TV series. Um, I didn't mind it as much. Um, you know, I, I think I was I was at least satisfied with uh, him coming out of the cocoon early, and um, but I, I think fundamentally, uh, what Gunn was trying to do with the character was to almost do like a, an abbreviated origin story for him, uh, and you see like a very abbreviated, um, yeah, like his creation, his power, like losing his bomb, becoming his motivation, kind of swapping him over to the good guys. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm okay with it. Uh, I, I do wish that they gave him more of a role uh, rather than just, like, him just randomly showing up for a gag or two. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, I I didn't have too much of a, too much of a problem. And uh, if anything, I appreciated that he wasn't as maybe powerful as he might have been in the comics because uh, I think that Marvel sometimes has a problem with power creeping certain characters like, you know, in Infinity War or Endgame, just like, oh, Captain Marvel is just here destroying giant spaceships. Okay. Um, you know, just randomly powering characters up and powering characters down, and you're just like, uh, getting whiplash. Um, mm-hmm. so the, tr- the trouble is that you run into the, the Superman dilemma. How do you make a character? as powerful as Superman have to struggle with anything. Right. And, and how do you write a compelling story for someone who is invincible? And, you know, uh, usually you have to make him, you know, you have to sacrifice his best friend or make him a CIA or uh, anyway, long story. Um, right. Right. So yeah. And Adam Warlock will be that character because again, what's the, what's the challenge that he's going to ever face? Right. You know, they're like, you're Superman, but also you're kind of an idiot. That's <laughs> that's your kryptonite. <laughs> you know? Yep. Um, yeah, you know, he was he, he was definitely an entertaining character. And I guess, you know, if you squint, tilt your head sideways, you can pretend you don't know him from the comic books. You know, he can just be called Smashy Guy. Mm. Uh, Will Poulter was a great was a great mm. Adam was a great ditzy Adam Warlock for sure. Yeah, and the casting was spot on. I agree. Yeah, like he nailed it. Mm. Um, if you've uh, ever seen that Netflix original bomb called The Ridiculous Six, um, starring Adam Sandler, mm-hmm. there's a character played by uh, Taylor Lautner who's like a total smiling bumpkin idiot whose like shirt is always half off, and I kept getting that visual <laughs> with, with Adam right. Warlock. Yep. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I think the the characterization I think I'm okay with. I guess I think it's very James Gunn, right? Like he's like, um, you know, uh, the characters as they're portrayed, their strengths and their weaknesses are are, are polar opposites, right? Like Star Lord, you know, he has the charisma and he has, you know, the 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 charm and all that stuff, but you know, really on the inside, he's just an insecure child, right? And then, mm-hmm. you know, with Adam Warlock on the outside, he's supposed to be a perfect human, but he's kind of a, you know, he's kind of a doofus. And that's like, you know, that's you know, his his mirror. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that the the thing that I would, that was kind of just a shame is that I, I feel like he kind of fills 
the same character spaces like Drax, right? Like where he's like this all powerful, like super strong dude, and then he's just kind of a a, a doofus. <laughs> but yeah. I think that the way that you know Drax differentiates himself, I think it's just like how how literal how literal he is, and he, I don't know, he just comes across as a little bit more charming um in a in a really weird way you're like oh <laughs> as opposed to like you know at a world like you're like oh this guy's just dumb <laughs> i mean yeah. i appreciated drax more in this film because mm. like you said i think drax was always the comic relief and then when it, but it actually came to fighting anyone he was usually getting beat up i mean <laughs> and you think like but wait a minute i mean he's called the destroyer he's never really destroyed anything yet and I think this is finally a film where he, he was like, oh, okay, don't. Drax is on a lighter level. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like, his whole redemption story is like, oh, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm kind of a crappy hero, but I'm a wonderful dad who has a warm and uh, soft spot. Like, I appreciated that redemption because I never, like, the whole Drax character and his jokes never really they never really hit with me like i get it he takes things literally they kind of up they kind of up it in this movie where he's like making poop jokes and he thinks he's making analogies and metaphors and i'm like <laughs> okay all right let's move on yeah and they treat it and they treat it as such because they're like wait a minute he's not supposed to get metaphors yeah. he's supposed to be literal and you're like okay yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um I I also wanna point out uh that that hallway scene, um where they're you know, they're just running through as a, as the team kind of the, the action culmination. Um man, it really it was nice to finally see some quality CGI. And it really feels like the last like three or four CGI budgets were used in just that one hallway scene and um I yeah, mean... shouts out shouts out to Gun. Marvel likes to make a good hallway fight. Yeah, yeah they do. There's a lot of hallways. You have to be more specific. Are we talking about the burning ship hallway? Oh, the the one where Drax impales a dude's leg into the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're fighting. Oh, there. yeah, that was good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, it, and it, you could tell that you know with all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes and firing the head of the CGI department or whatever, um, it. Paid off. <laughs> this maybe, CGI definitely felt nice. Maybe also uh, pausing some projects and and spacing out the release a little bit more. Yeah, because definitely. I think, I think we're starting to push back on things. We're not rushing stuff out as much, and uh, we're going to give the artists the chance to do the work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and they they delivered on this movie. This movie was gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Now that does bring up. The uh the space scene where mm. um Peter Quill is in the vacuum of space and apparently the side effects of being in the vacuum of space is you know puffiness, um irritation, and uh but you know if you go back to oxygen it turns itself back within the hour. <laughs> and at first I thought, oh my gosh, they're gonna do it, they're just gonna kill him. Like James Gunn, you sob, you did it. You finally did it. But I guess it, it, all good things need to come to an end. And then he gets saved, and then he's okay, and he's making jokes. And you're like, oh well, you know, my understanding of science 
says he should be dead, but my Marvel sense sees him alive. I mean, um, if you guys follow this, the, the YouTube series uh, Pitch Meeting, which a guy goes over all these films, and he plays mm-hmm. an, executive in the, uh, an executive character and a writer character who will pitch the movie, and he picks out all of these plot holes and inconsistencies. And in his video, he's already done for Guardians 3, he said, well, we're just going to tell everybody that Peter forgot his helmet and his rocket boots at home. <laughs> because otherwise, he should have just been able to fly over that base just fine. Yeah. Um, and then, because, oh, we promised people Adam Warlock, we have to have him do something. So let's have him save Peter in that moment. Because we promised people in Guardians 2 that Adam Warlock was going to be in this, and he's barely been in it. Uh, and so... Yeah, I, I again. This is the problem with that is that James had a had a three film arc, and he wrote he, I, unless somebody told them that he had they had to put Adam Warlock in there, right. anticipating the the Infinity Saga and like oh you gotta get you gotta get Adam Warlock in there. But then when they went to make Infinity War, they're like oh yeah we'll just leave him in the cocoon. Um, so that that makes me wonder. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely some some pseudoscience on how you uh, didn't, you know, choke to death. <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of just chalked it up to him being half celestial. I don't know, because uh, they, I mean, they kind of talk about it a little bit in Guardians Two, right? They they talk about how, you know, he's got he's got a little extra durability and mm-hmm. all that I mean, stuff because he's. If we want to nitpick, he lost the power when he killed the player, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but again, I don't know. Fancy with a gun. That's his. Uh, that's a superpower. <laughs> superpower. Um, so I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe James Gunn would just say it's residual. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, but no. Go ahead. I get a feeling like, uh, and it'll lead into I think the next question, which is, uh, mm-hmm. why is it the legendary Star Lord, and mm-hmm. why is he returning? And I feel like somebody at Disney said, Chris, if you want to continue to be Star-Lord, we will make this solo series for you. Or I don't know if it'll be a series or a film. Uh, and Because I wasn't aware of it, and I, I asked someone about the legendary Star-Lord. It's a comic run uh, where Peter Quill goes on solo adventures. Right. And there's even a, 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 a tie-in with an X-Men character, Kitty Pride where they have a relationship. And so I'm waiting for, and I'm, I don't know if it's coming soon, uh, the announcement of a, of a solo Star-Lord project coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was, that was definitely, that was definitely interesting. It was, it, yeah, I definitely was thrown for a loop because it, it definitely felt like in the lead up to it, that Chris Pratt was definitely very, um, he was finished. Yeah, it, it felt like he was finished. And the way that he was talking about it and how he was saying that he wouldn't, you know, be in a, a movie unless it was James Gunn and all this other stuff. And, uh, the, yeah, it really threw me when they, they, they said that. So it'll be... That, yeah, and it, his his character finds happiness. Like, right, his story ends, pretty much. Like, he goes back mm-hmm. to his grandpa on Earth. He complains about cutting the grass for the neighbor. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a he's a lot more now. Mm-hmm. Right. right, and 
Yeah, I yeah I I'm interested to see I'm interested to see what they'll they'll do they'll do with him and I don't know if it'll join up with Sam and um you know be an Avenger or they'll just use him as a, a face to give some legitimacy to like they want to do a Defenders because it feels like they're they're ramping up for a a West Coast uh, like a West Coast Avengers or Defenders Great Lakes Avengers something yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, so, in, in the grand scheme of things, there has to be a way to keep, keep all these characters on the board uh, for the inevitable Kang Dynasty uh, Secret Wars team up. Here's hoping. I don't think you can't. I think you have to bring. I think Star Lord is coming back for one of those films for sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. What he'll do in the meantime and do he'll care what he's doing? I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. For any, sure. any chance that Kang is going to be actually Sue Storm, like she's like it's revealed in the Ultimates? <laughs> well, that's the thing. the 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 rumor is that they are looking because I think I think someone had written somewhere that they'd offered the role to John Boyega, yeah, the uh, Star Wars character, yeah, and he said no, thank you. Yeah, so they're going to yeah. gender swap the character now. Because of his unfortunate personal issues, that's the Jonathan Majors, the current king. Mm. Right, right. Wow. Speaking wow. of bad guys, mm. every every Marvel movie needs a bad guy. Um, this one's not notable. Like he just doesn't have star power behind his name. He's the evolutionary, and he, his his whole thing is he wants Rocket's brain. That's that's the whole story. Which you think he would have it on backup, you know? You what do you mean? Maybe a disc with the code on it, but I guess not. Well, I think the unique part of Rocket was his ability to think outside the box or to come up with these mm-hmm. new solutions that none of his other experiments had done. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he had coveted Rocket so much. Uh, my wife had a very interesting observation. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that the, and I can't pronounce the actor's name, so I won't do it justice uh, to try, but that he did a good job portraying the high evolutionary. My wife just was surprised that how much he went from zero to a hundred. Like he went from yeah, it was great conversational voice to screaming at someone and so angry, and it was. It was a bit jarring a couple of times, and you're thinking like, "Okay, wow, slow down there, man." <laughs> yeah, I, he used yeah. to have that quirk where it makes you hate him. You look getting angry and wanting to destroy worlds is kind of his quirk. <laughs> he has yeah, a short fuse. He has yeah, a short yeah. fuse. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I just want to say the story isn't really about him, the you know the evil bad guy. It's not like it's like we either destroy him or the world is screwed. It's more like he's a speed bump on our way to redemption, and you know to show off how good, um, how good of a pure-hearted of a group we are. We have to stop him. Mm. I feel yeah, it's and- the perfect kind of villain that you can use in a one-off story and then throw yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, you don't need to worry about it. Like again, you don't make an Age of Ultron over a weekend, right. and then you use it up. That's not the kind of that's not the kind of character that you can just go over one film. That should be a multi-film arc for Ultron. 
but high evolutionary and more of a sheer comic character. Sure. And they rip his face off and then probably leave him to die on a ship that blows up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after after Kang, I don't I feel like there's only Magneto and you know Doom, Victor Von Doom left for major villains. I don't know how Marvel's gonna get uh, back. Well, I've got a couple more. I've strong. got a couple more. Uh I think um Annihilus is another yeah. character from the from the negative zone. The big one, I think, obviously the literally the largest one. Um, I don't know I'm blanking on the name. Galactus is another. Oh, so funny story. Um, they're they're coming out with a Transformers movie, right? Right. About Unicron, the planet-eating robot. Is yep. that like a is that like a you know a suck it Marvel? <laughs> You're too late. <laughs> I mean, they 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 steal each ideas all the time. Yeah, um, Thanos I mean, is just a uh, dark side in different skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, no, totally. And I, I kind of read the High Evolutionary as kind of, you know, Gun using him as a stand-in for for fate or for <laughs> for God for whatever have you, and just how the human will can triumph over you know, circumstances, right? Like, I think that the way that the high evolutionary is portrayed is just, like, he's he's evil because he's evil, he's bad, and he causes, you know, he causes conflict with the, you know, all the all the characters. Um, yeah, and he, he serves the purpose of being, you know, everything that the Guardians are not. Like, he, he doesn't have a family. He... He doesn't have anyone he trusts. He treats people like garbage, right? Like he, you know, he he's constantly looking for perfection. Whereas the Guardians are like, we aren't perfect. We're still a family. We still care about each other, and because of that, we're gonna overcome, you know, the perfect plan. The you know the the you know the mm-hmm. fate, I mean, what have you. Someone pointed this out to me that in the the High Evolutionary does say this in the film that he created some species. And so, in some worlds, he is a deity yeah. of a, of a sort. So, right. if the world if the word gets out, as uh, they tend to do with the guardians, their reputations precede them. If they are <laughs> found to have killed their god, uh, there will be a few places in the universe where the guardi- the new guardians, and he will be persona non grata because they've they've killed God. Right. And what, right. Where where do the, where does the, where do repercussions come from that? Right. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about the new Guardians, because Mm. um, I'm reminded of the end of the Age of Ultron, where you got a glimpse of the new Avengers. You know, you see them working out in the new, like, Avengers Tower area. And, you know, you saw Falcon, you know, working out with, uh, you know, like Wanda and Vision's there, too. And you know, in your it's setting you up for the new Avengers, but the, it never came to be. Like those Avengers never worked together. They immediately went into civil war where they were against each other in some respects. And so we kind of have that same idea with the new guardians um going on a missions together, kind of setting up a sequel. Though I feel like that might happen again too. It's like we we never see them together. Yeah, I've started to speculate where we could see them, and I don't know if the Marvels is too soon, but 
that would be the most logical one because that's the only cosmic based film you're going to see for a while. We're going to get more grounded as we get into, um, uh, what's it, the secret evasion series, the, uh, the Thunderbolts, Captain America four. We're kind of going back down to earth for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, I don't know if I see a phase uh, seven, I guess, of a, of a Guardians four. Yeah. Uh, Marvel tends to cut these things off at trilogies. Like the only uh, four, the only fourth film we've seen so far is Thor, and that didn't work out as well. Again, you're not having James Gunn come back. Right. So that might be. Uh, that might put some. Uh, put some nerves into some of the executives at Disney to try that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I could see, I could see them trying to do a TV show. Maybe. Um, I feel like a TV show would be the only one where you could fall in love with those guys. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, and I, I'm okay with it. I mean, I, I'm okay with them just kind of, Sitting there until they're 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 needed. Um, I, I think I would be more interested if the end, you know, the end said, you know, Rocket Raccoon and the new, you know, the the new Guardians will return. I'd be more interested. But the fact that they went with Star Lord makes me think that they're more interested in Star Lord going to the future than the new Guardians. I don't know. The new Guardians, if you look at the roster, uh, so you have Rocket, Groot, Cosmo, the dog, mm-hmm. Craglin, yep. Adam mm-hmm. Warlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the film, she's called Phyla, but yeah. uh, in the comics, she's been known to take the moniker Moondragon. Okay. Oh, and so two of those characters are cosmic-level beings, and so right. you have a really hard time Finding an antagonist for them, and finding mm-hmm. something that they're going to struggle with. Mm-hmm. I kind of was a little bit surprised, and Gunn brought them along through all the films uh, because they had the original uh, the comic Guardians, which was um, Dark, uh, and I can't, see that I can't remember the characters' names, but uh, you had Stallone, Stil- Sylvester Stallone's character, um, mm. Michelle Yeoh. Um, and I think a couple of them weren't in this film. Uh, they they cut they cut a couple out, but they had the original comics Guardians team along as Ravagers. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people had speculated that's where they would have gone, and they would have inherited the Guardians of the Galaxy moniker. But it doesn't appear they're going that way. Mm-hmm. One, you know, Karen Gillian is my favorite female in this movie. Like her story and temperament was the most interesting and I'm kind of sad that you know it didn't she didn't have the best redemption arc it's kind of up in the air about you know her future in Marvel but like I really I really thought she kind of out she outshined uh, Zoe Saldana yeah I mean her story is definitely one of tragic upbringing and and you see her overcome all those things that Thanos because the funny thing was like wow that's even what worse than what Thanos did to me when they're mm-hmm. watching the, the footage from Rocket and it's kind of like oh, oh well maybe but that's also really painful to watch 
Um, <laughs> from the from the and, and from the insider part, like if you if you read into what the actors are saying, Karen Gillian was one of the ones who said, "I'm finished." Mm-hmm. So they needed to do to, to give her something to do to be a not not a guardian anymore. I think um, Gamora um, Zoe Saldana is finished. Drax, I think, was upset about the whole James Gunn firing and rehiring, and so he won't. He doesn't want to be back. Also, he has those those three specifically uh, have a lot of prosthetic makeup to put on to be these characters. And you can see how maybe six hours of makeup for several months filming is just not for you anymore. Yeah. Understood. <laughs> right. I mean, it's right. the same way I think Chris Evans doesn't really want to have super jacked arms and, and a like a basically a fitness body all the year round. And that he's just tired of working out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I definitely think they're all those actors that you mentioned are, are, are finding other greener pastures beyond MCU. You know, I think yeah. they, they, you know, Dave Bautista is, you know, arguably probably the most successful out of all of them, which is funny enough. Cause I mean, being in Dune, you know, being in Blade Runner, like he, he's got a, he's got a quite a career ahead of him. And, you know, the Evans is, you know, making the rounds on the, uh, the action hero circuit. And, um, yeah, I think Karen Gillian is, you know, she's a, a young a young face in Hollywood and she's going to she's going to find, you know, roles and Zoe Zoe's what a character in several multi-billion dollar franchises. So, yep. you know, she's not hurting. She's um, always the space chick. Always. That the yep. superhero falls in love with. Um yeah, so so it makes sense, you know, and mm-hmm. I I think Gunn also has proven that you know, you don't have to kill off your characters to 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 be you know final, you know to finalize them and, um, yeah, I I like the idea that they, you know, even if they don't you know come back, that they're still alive somewhere in the universe doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I I'm really I'm really worried about what what a new director would do with Guardians team that a new a not a not James Gunn. I mean. I don't know even if there is a, and Star Wars has a lot of the, uh, the disciples of George Lucas that have taken over now. But is there a is there a James Gunn light out there somewhere that can do a Guardian story justice? Maybe not. Well, Suicide Squad, um, the sequel got replaced with James Gunn, so maybe the original Suicide Squad director. To take over the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. <laughs> Do a little switcheroo. There you go. I'm trying to remember who it is. It's, uh, you know what? The internet erased it. Like, oh, David Ayer. David yeah, Ayer, Ayer. is going to be the new director. So. Yeah, I, I mean. mean I... Where it goes is that that's the other thing is, like, do we wait until after, uh, Secret Wars. I mean, because I think the, the the slate is very packed until that point, and there's still things we don't know about that are going to fit in there somewhere. Because I think the Spider Man isn't totally uh, decided yet. Uh, so it will be years, I think, before we see the Guardians again in a not in a solo movie. Anyway, yeah. 
yeah, I mean, if you know, if I had to pick someone right now, gun to gun to head, um, maybe like someone like Dan Trachtenberg, uh, you know, doing stuff like uh, whole revealed stuff, but he also was, uh, directed some episodes of The Boys. So, I mean, and I think he's done. Hold on, I'm looking it up. Yeah, he did an episode of Black Mirror. So, I mean, I think he could have a shot. He has a shot in it. But, yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody out there that you immediately say, this guy or girl. Yeah, now the new cool thing is to bring back 90s directors um, <laughs> and early 2000s. So I'm thinking Joel Schumacher, it's time. No. No. <laughs> no, dear God, no. <laughs> I mean, if we wanted to just blow up stuff, we could do uh, oh, what's his name uh, from the Transformers? Oh, Michael Bay. We could do a Michael Bay Guardians. That would that sounds terrible now that I said that. Oh, uh, speaking of Michael Bay tropes, there was a lot of this one trope in this in this movie. Where everyone's walking towards the camera in slow motion. That had to have happened six times. And you know, like the first time it's cool, but about the sixth time I'm like, okay, okay, we get it. They're a group and they're walking towards their family. Quest. It's all about family. <laughs> you know, I wanted them to drive in cars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think See, that's this- the, the Guardians of the Galaxy will revert to a team. Street mm-hmm. racers. I mean, really, that's all right? that's missing. That's all that's missing. Who needs rocket ships when you have family? Right, right? exactly. That's that's where uh, Vin Diesel will take it next. It'll be a <laughs> fast twelve crossover. Beautiful. So oh, I think I think we nailed it in this movie. I think um, <laughs> yeah, we we all give it the thumbs up approval. Yeah, very much. Yeah. yeah, two thumbs up. Definitely, definitely, definitely. My my top ten, maybe top five Marvel movies. I don't know. It's too soon to tell, but definitely not my top ten. Have you guys done a, a top five? I don't know yeah, if we've yeah. officially done a top. I don't know. Have we, Mike? Um, no, we we have not, and I can tell you right now that I, I'd be introducing some of Marvel's rated R stuff. <laughs> Um, I mean, mine would be just the three Captain America movies, No Way Home, or no, not No Way Home, uh, Homecoming, and probably maybe, maybe mm, Infinity War. Yeah, maybe Infinity War. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of love for Phase One in my in my top five. Mm. Phase One and Two, I would say, Uh, Winter Soldier will be my favorite movie, no matter what. For and, sure, and Federer, it's the best movie. Iron Man one, mm. uh, Guardians one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm going to go to Avengers one. Oh, uh, and then Infinity War. Interesting. Understand. I, I I think the the I I know Joss has had a rough go of it, but. Um, and that that's a hot take, I think, for some people. That I think my favorite Avengers film is still the first one. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Just the, the coming together of the team, overcoming Loki. Uh, I like. I mean, they're, they're it's splitting hairs. 
because the yeah. War is still so good. Uh, and Endgame would be a close third, but uh, that would be my top five. Nice. And Winter Soldier will not be supplanted by anything. I don't think no, ever. Winter Soldier's yeah, it's too good. Yes, I know. I know we're heading towards our the end of our podcast, and it's great. Can I just is is Volume Three the first f bomb ever recorded in Marvel Universe? That's not bleeped. It's That's not bleeped. bleeped yep. And it's Amazing. great. It's a great. It's a great f bomb. It's yeah. perfect. <laughs> Get in the right. car. Yeah. Right. So great. So we look forward to greater and better f bombs in the DC world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we'll see if they if they do more than PG thirteen, they might be allowed more than one movie. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, the the casting rumors are starting to heat up for Superman, so I'm I'm getting pretty excited. Yeah, Craglin's going to be the new Clark Kent. Pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, just for the love of God, whoever, I mean, I know, James, I know you're in charge of DC, but whatever executives have been sticking their nose in this stuff for the longest time, just Play shut it. up and go away for three years. <laughs> Let these two guys have a semblance of a plan, implement it, and don't say anything. And if at the end of three years you don't like it, then you can. But in the meantime, shut up and shut up and go away. Yeah, just, and just uh, reboot it. You've, right. you've you've ruined the first one, and and you know what? For whatever, you know, Zach Snyder, apologist. I'm not one of them. <laughs> uh, you didn't you didn't give him a chance. You, you got one failure, and then you cause more failures. Stop mm-hmm. doing that. Get out of the way. Let the creative yeah. people do the creative things. Right. Right. And James Gunn definitely, I think, is, you know, one of those directors that just won't won't tolerate it. And I think he's, yeah, I, I really do hope they give him a blank check because, you know, I, all the things that he's presenting in his new universe, I'm excited for. So, James. Yeah. History just tells me that that uh, won't happen, and then we're going to regret it in 16 months when they're like, "Well, let's kind of change this." I'm like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> at no, least we're sorry. getting at least we're getting a sequel for the Batman and Joker. So, <laughs> yeah, at least there's that. We can look forward to the Elseworld stories that they uh, are going to try to tell us to watch. I suppose. I mean, I'm still, mm. I'm still like, do I go to see Shazam because I know it won't matter to anything anymore? Oh, oh the, my fl- the Flash, I'm being told, is the greatest superhero movie ever. <laughs> right. And hardly I anyone's ever seen it. And and I'm like, okay. Um, don't get really me started on up DC. For a huge fall. I can add two more hours. I can add two <laughs> more hours to this podcast. I'm holding yeah. back so much, guys. <laughs> Thank Maybe you some other time. Maybe Thank some you other time. For I'll listening. have to come back to commiserate of all my DC yeah. misery. Yeah, right. for sure, for sure. Well, anyways, you know, thank you everyone for listening, Chris. Thank you for joining us and mm. sharing your wonderful knowledge. Of yes, Marvel. thank you, thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and if you want to hear more from us, you can. We have a YouTube channel where we have this podcast on now under Film Logic. Um, 
you know, join our Discord. I'll put the link in the description. Chris, is there anything you want to shout out before we leave? Oh. Uh, well, I mean, I'm a member of the Retrologic Discord, uh, so I'm around if you ever want to talk Barvel or DC or anything. Yeah. Uh, again, it's the best community on the internet. Everyone should uh, should check it out. Um, if you want, if you want more of my ramblings about why NHL '94 is the greatest, you can follow me on Twitter at <laughs> ChrisHL94. Yes, I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely, you should you should friend him. Anyways, thank you for coming. I've been Mike. I'm Adam. I'm Chris. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Anyways, <laughs> have a great night, everybody. Goodbye, goodbye. Good morning. I'm just that way. Houston, we have a problem. Why may Why are you not entertained? Why so serious? He's alive, he's alive. The snozzberries taste like snozzberries.